three. Time for us to check in with Chrisanne McCallaghan to tell us something that we are all very much fearful of. Here is today's Savvy Earth Savers. Hello, Savvy Earth Savers, and welcome back. When we talk about extinction, we tend to be quite reactive. Most conservation efforts are happening because we recognize that a species is already threatened and that a species must reach threatened status before action is taken to prevent extinction, such as establishing protected areas. But a new study has shown that we can use existing conservation data to predict which currently unthreatened species could become threatened and take a more proactive action to prevent their decline before it's too late. So conservation funding is pretty limited. Ideally, what is needed is some way of anticipating species that may not be threatened at the moment, but have a high chance of becoming threatened in the future. Hey, it's that age-old adage, prevention is better than a cure. But to predict over-the-horizon extinction risks, you have to look at different things. And this is what the researchers did in this particular study. They looked at three aspects of global change, climate change, human population growth, and the rate of change in land use together with intrinsic biological features that could make some species more vulnerable. The team used this information and predicted that up to 20% of land mammals have a combination of two or more of these risk factors by the year 2100, which yes, okay, sounds quite far off, but could be in our lifetime for some, well, for some of us. And there's places in the world where these risk factors really converge. And there's a for example, there's a congruence of multiple future risk factors in sub-Saharan Africa and southeastern Australia. So climate change, which is expected to be particularly severe in Africa, human population growth and changes in land use. These things are converging in these places. And there are a lot of large mammal species there that are likely to be more sensitive to these things. So it's kind of the perfect storm. Larger mammals in particular, like elephants, rhinos, giraffes, and kangaroos, don't forget them, are often more susceptible to population decline since their reproduction patterns influence how quickly their populations can bounce back. So compared to smaller mammals, such as a, a rodent, which can reproduce very, very quickly and in very large numbers, bigger mammals like elephants have long gestational periods. That means they're pregnant for a long time and they produce fewer offspring at a time. So a rabbit or a, a mouse can have a whole litter of little babies, but an elephant, it's probably not gonna, likely gonna have triplets or quadruplets anytime soon. But increasingly, it's being recognized that it's very much a Western view of conservation because it dictates separating people from nature. It's sort of a view where humans don't play a role, and that's something that doesn't really sit well with a lot of cultures. Traditionally, conservation has relied heavily on declaring protected areas. And this basic idea is that you remove or mitigate what is causing the species to become threatened. So people can't go here. This is where the animals are, right? But increasingly, we're recognizing that that's very much a Western view of conservation because it dictates separating people from nature. It's a view of nature where humans don't really play a role. And that doesn't really sit well with a lot of cultures in many parts of the world. A lot of cultures in the world live in harmony with their environment and in harmony with the animals in their environment. So in preventing animal extinction, the researchers say you've also got to be aware of how conservation impacts indigenous communities. 
sub-Saharan Africa is home to many indigenous populations and Western ideas of conservation, although very well-intended, could have very negative impacts. Australia, this is really interesting, has already begun tackling this issue by establishing indigenous protected areas which are owned by indigenous people and operate with the help of rangers from local communities. In these regions, humans and animals can coexist as established through collaboration between governments and private landowners outside of protected areas. So there's a really important part to play for broad scale modeling studies where we look at this on a big scale, we map it out because these can provide a broad framework and context for planning. But science is only a very small part of this mix and the scientists who worked on this are hoping their model acts as a catalyst for bringing about some kind of change in the outlook for conservation. So it's really about living in harmony with our environment and with the animals that live in our environments and we can learn so much from cultures who have done this for millennia. Anyway, lovely to chat to you. Until next week, bye-bye.